Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron. Kapla. And Captain Corey. Oh, sorry. Hold on, guys. There's like a there's like a lightning storm right now. I don't know if we should be recording. Actually, it looks more like a, an ion storm. I know that's a weird thing for someone to say about a lightning storm outside their house. Since we do canonically all record on top of individual plateaus, we have a a bird's eye view of, of lightning and ion storms. So yeah, that is concerning, Corey. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you'll be fine. Edit here, lightning strike. Oh my God. Oh, holy crap. That was a little bit too close for comfort. Uh, maybe we should record next week, guys. I don't really feel too comfortable with this. No, we no, got to no, keep busy. going. We, yeah, yeah, we got we to gotta keep doing it. And I really want to talk about Wolf in the Fold. Edit lightning strike again. Oh, God. I think and you then, mean thunder strike. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Emily. Okay, now what happens? I get struck. Corey? Uh, Master Corey, are are we going to start the podcast? How about don't call me Master Corey? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's... Don't hurt me! <laughs> it's seven minutes past. What? We're very far off schedule. How are we going to be able to summarize the episode if you're not joining in with us? Edit effect with me having internal thoughts. My God, I've been transported to a different dimension where I'm in charge of this podcast. Corey, we're behind schedule. I need to start summarizing in a very organized manner soon. Blend in, Corey. Keep it cool. You can't let them know that you don't belong here. Uh, okay. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound but of mine. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, set podcast to sun. Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to set podcast to Serling. Is that what we call it? Yes, we've only recorded this precisely 53.2 times. Sir, Sir Corey, it's always been a Twilight Zone podcast. Did you just call me Sir? Well, uh, you beat me when you when I don't call you Sir. Yeah, you told him he couldn't have any gruel if he didn't call you Sir before Corey. Beats and gruel? Have I died and gone to heaven? Right. So let's start reviewing uh, episode three, season four. What is this? Uh, it's called uh, uh, Valley. Belly of shadows, sir. All right. Sounds good. Let's get started. Super uncomfortable with being called sir and all of this uh, this <laughs> sub play that I'm getting from you guys, but we'll just we'll just see where we go with it. Uh, oh, man. Clint, Calling it sub play really ruined the bit. Clint, it's your job to tell me who directed and edited this. Oh, crap. You bitch. <laughs> Clint. If only there was a machine where I could hastily type into things to get answers. Valley of Sha- Valley of the Shadow uh, was directed by... Look at me when you're speaking to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus You Christ. dog. 
<laughs> well, you're acting a lot more like normal now. Getting used to it. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So this was directed by Perry Lafferty. And it was written by Charles Beaumont and hey, Rob St- Rod Sterling. Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on. Wait. If there I was just another... realized there was that's a biblical reference in yeah. that title. Samuel we... L. Jackson would approve. We've been doing Even this podcast. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Let's get the man who created the show's name correctly. Can we please say it? His name Rod, is Rod Sterling. Oh, if not Sterling. Anyone? Shh, 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 no, no, no. It's my turn to talk. If anyone says Sterling, you're gonna get the button. I'm assuming I have a button here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, you guys ready to go through this episode? Sure. Yeah. All right. This episode starts with a man and his dog in a car, and. It's not the dog's car. Hold on. Let me start that again. No, it is the dog's car. This is the Twilight Zone. It's wacky. Do, 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 do. Okay, so they're they're lost in the middle of the forest. They're on a road, though, and they're, yeah. they're low on gas. They're on their way to Albuquerque. We don't know why, but that doesn't matter because he's crossed into uh, a town called... The Twilight Zone. Yeah, I kind of set myself up for that, but I kind of just said Twilight Zone. They're going to the capital town of the, the Twilight Zone. Population 961. Peaceful Valley is the name of this. Peaceful Valley. Yeah. And he tells the dog he's going to have to eat him. He says, well, I'm going to have to eat you, old pal. No. I hate to break it to you, but we're lost. Um, I think he's going to a job. Yeah, he's a reporter. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know this in the first scene, but we eventually find out. And he's going to Albuquerque to work. Albuquerque. Uh. When he finds the town of Peaceful Valley, he's very happy because now he's not going to starve in the forest. And he tells his dog that, hey, you just earned yourself a steak. I thought that was a fun line. I don't know what the dog did to earn a steak, though. Just being cute. <laughs> That's the dog's job. And, and he, he pulls up to a gas station. He can get gas. Yeah, self-service. No, it's what? not. No, I'm sorry. What's it called when it's not self-service? Full, Full service. service. Full service. Full service. You should wow. know this from all your trips to the massage parlor. <laughs> you think that's supposed to be funny, Emily? I have a bad back, okay? Uh, well, hey, you're not going to any self-service massage parlors. <laughs> you got to get one of those chairs. Well, Then you can self-service yourself. All day long. Well, so while the gas station attendant is giving him the self-service, uh, his dog <laughs> starts to freak out. He has a convertible car. And... His dog jumps out and goes after a cat. Yeah, and the cat is like hops up in a hanging plant, and then the little girl's like, "Leave my kitty cat alone." I'm calling it now. That cat's the devil. That's the <laughs> twist. <laughs> I, I thought the twist would be that they were going to turn the guy into the cat at the end, and then he would always be harassed by his own dog. Oh, that's genius. I thought it was anyone that comes into the town as a stranger gets turned into a cat. And then there was just going to be. Is that what you just said, Emily? 
No. <laughs> I mean, well, so what you're saying is that the town would be slowly overrun by cats that used to be people. <laughs> yeah, he just pulls into town like, oh, gosh, there sure are a lot of cats in this town. <laughs> They're all like, of- leave, leave. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys notice that when the dog jumped out of the car to chase the cat, the gas station attendant was counting out the money super slow? I thought there was some significance to it, but I think he was just bad at math. He was just a dick. Like, that's all it was. And, like, the reporter is like, hey, you're being a real asshole. I think I'll stay here. And the guy's like, no, no, don't stay here. You should leave. And he's like, no, no. You want me to stay? I'm not going to stay. You want me to leave? I'm going to stay right here, buster. What happens to the dog? It disappears. The little girl has a little uh, tricorder-esque device, and she bleep makes the dog disappear. All right. So that's how we start before Mr. Rod Sterling. Oh, God. Hold on. You did it. <laughs> you did it. Oh, uh, oh, but he likes it. That's the problem. <laughs> Rod, Rodney, as I've come to call him, Rodney comes out, and he's like, He's basically like, hey, what's the deal with little towns tucked away in the middle of nowhere? They must be kind of right. Evil. There are people there, but what do they do? What do they care? What do they think about? And Nothing I was like, as someone who, that's all I know. Yeah, someone who grew up in a small town, I was like, ugh, rude and accurate and drinking. Yeah. All right. So this guy, what's his name? Red, Reddy, Redfield, John, Redfield. What is, I, you know, I did good... not write down his name. Okay, I'm just gonna say he. And if I use he, I'm referring Phillip. to the main character. Philip Redfield. Philip. Philip Redfield. Okay. So Philip goes to the house that the little girl just ran into, and he bangs on the door. And uh, who answers Well, first the of door? all, he like grabs her arm, and he's like, what did you do to my dog? And I'm like, that's not an appropriate way for an adult to talk to a strange child. What do you mean? She just disappeared his fucking dog. Like, it's, to- it's total, like... Uh- very understandable reaction. I'm with Clint on this one. Yeah, but like if you were walking down the street and saw an adult man shaking a child by the arm, you'd be like, whoa, sir, I'm calling the police. I I would always be like, you answer him. <laughs> so if you just saw a person shaking a child on the street and being like, you'd be like, yeah, I want answers too. No, I'd be like, you're girl. not doing it right. And then I'd pick her up and I'd shake her and be shake like, her even more. answer the question. Oh my God. Who <laughs> Little girls are always trouble. Who answers the door, you you terrible man? <laughs> Sir, it was uh, James Doolahan as father. Okay. As Hold father, on. yep. <laughs> James Duhan. James Duhan. Doolahan. He's like, Fucking circus performer. And it's Mr. Doolahan. Don't punish me. I definitely thought that you picked this episode because he was in it. But I will say there is another one, like another reason why this might have aligned with a Star Trek theme if we ever had that. And I am very pumped to talk about it. I also thought it was the twist was going to be their aliens. I thought that too. They really are setting that up. I thought that too. Neat. So <laughs> daddy says, what? My daughter's not magic or anything. Let's walk around back and I bet your dog will come back. And then he goes and he's like, bring the dog back. And then she does. No, he activates his, he, he has his own little device too. And he blinks it back into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot. About that. So Mr. Philip uh, continues. He's like happy to get his dog back. He, he's, 
people want him to leave. You can tell, but he's like, ah, no, there's something weird going on here. So he keeps going down the town a little bit. Gas station attendant's like, you're going the wrong way. That the other way is out of town. And he's like, fuck you. You don't tell me what to do. And he shows up at the only restaurant in town, but there's only one problem. It's closed. It's closed. It's a restaurant and a hotel. No, the restaurant's closed. And then the there's hotel a hotel is across the street. Yeah. And then so he goes to the hotel after he tries to get into the restaurant. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. The hotel but- is open, but it's like a card paper cardboard hotel hold on the hotel is open but it's like a cardboard hotel because there's you can't really check in but there's people working there there's one person mm-hmm. there's, there's one person yeah and uh yeah um that's all i have to say sorry i thought i had more don't she will be she's quite busty i'm gonna push the button <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say we don't objectify women on this podcast <laughs> It's the '60s. You can say whatever you want. You can also smoke when you're pregnant. You're supposed to. You're supposed to smoke when you're pregnant in the '60s. I'm gonna pick this up a little bit. Okay, so he looks down in the hotel lobby and he sees a newspaper from 1953. Why do you think that was? That doesn't really come up later. Yes, it does. He's like, you have old newspapers. What the what? Like he knows something's afoot. He's like, this is fishy. Why are they leaving out these old newspapers? Yeah, but they've been and cut off from the outside world for like hundreds of years, right? Not just, or was it just in 1953 when they discovered all this stuff? Uh, No, they've been like cut off for, I think, like a hundred years. Yeah. And they set out that newspaper to like, as a decoy, I guess. I don't know. It, that was a little difficult to That's what I'm saying. They didn't track. explain it. And then you're like, yes, they did. And then you didn't explain how they explained it. Well, they don't explain it from the part of the residence, but they put it out so that our newspaper man, he knows when something's fishy. And this just smells like seafood. See? So <laughs> it's it's his um, MacGuffin for staying in the town. He's like, yeah. wow, I, I know when I'm on to a hot story. It's a plot device, but it doesn't make sense in the narrative of the, of the story. Got it. I mean, yeah, it would have if they were aliens. I guess in that <laughs> sense, maybe it's like a red herring. The woman says, we're booked. Sorry. And he looks up and he sees that all the keys are on the rack. No one's staying there. Um, so he knows that she's lying to him. And she's uncomfortable that he's there. She suggests that he leaves. She's super weirded out. She's like, you need to leave me alone. And he keeps like walking closer to her. That's just how you treat women. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's just a man. He's just a Vans man. I don't know why. Why you think that's a problem, Emily? Ladies like that stuff. They'll pretend that they don't, but they do. Yeah. Good thing I'm not a lady. I'm a Klingon. (laughs) A what? I keep reversing the bit where I'm the one from the Star Trek world and you guys are not, but whatever. I think we've just shattered any illusions of having a cohesive narrative here. Okay. So, okay. So he decides that he's going to leave town. He's clearly not wanted here. There's some weird stuff going on, but what happens when he leaves town? He runs into a rock. It's cool. He's like driving and it's like, he drives into an invisible wall. Yeah. Or is but it a his, rock? The car like explodes. I I wrote like that must have been some special effect when they did it because it really is like it's a pretty good effect. I like it. I think yeah. they just splice it to. I mean, they just splice his car in one scene, and then the next scene it just 
they put a broken car in it. I'm with Clint on this one. I don't think there was actually an invisible wall there. There must have been some special effects going on. It was just a well, rock. It was just a rock, people. That don't ask any more questions. And your dog's dead. Oh yeah, and your dog is dead. I was like, the dog died. What? Also, this guy is such a dick. He's like, he's like demanding of everyone. There's one part I wrote down because he goes, maybe you can tell me this. Ever since I landed in Peaceful Valley, people have been trying to get me to leave. Why is that? And I'm like. Because you're being an asshole to everybody you talk to. You're shaking little girls. You're sexually harassing women. You're like sassing the gas station attendant. Everybody's like, you're being such a white Karen dude. Just leave. I would be upset if someone made my dog disappear and then they killed it with an invisible wall. I don't but understand. the dog came back. It was chasing a cat. Well, let's get to the second part where the dog actually dies and it's smeared all over the road. These helpful, oh, Jesus. these helpful townsfolk show up from Peaceful Valley. I mean, he's literally... They're like, you need to see a doctor. Yeah. Uh, they yeah, start. a doctor. You should... You've been in an accident. You can't leave. You should walk to the doctor. He's but like, yeah, all right. I what about my dog? Don't, don't worry, we'll take far. care of the dog. I think he went like 100 yards. You can still kind of see the town in the background. Yeah, but like if you just had a concussion, they're not going to be like, here, walk walk to the doctors, you know? Just walk it off. Just walk it off. Walk that's it what off. I say. Yeah, that's what they Tough did in the 60s. Yeah. yeah, different time. A better time. Just put some leeches on it and stop Let's... being a hysterical woman. Yeah, the 1560s. As, <laughs> as my dad used to say when I was a kid, rub some dirt in it. <laughs> Which I think and then we were like, what? And he's like, look, now you're done crying. All right. Drink Get some apple go. cider vinegar. It'll cure everything. It does cure the hiccups, by the way, guys. 100% of the time. Works every time. So he goes back. and oh, Well, while, he's while he goes back. Away, oh, go ahead, Emily. You're in charge of this. They bring the podcast. dog back to life. Yay. Yeah. This doesn't he, have to go on the website. Does the dog die? It doesn't. He whips a machine out of his pocket. This dog has seen some shit. Like, he's been traumatized. He's like, I know what happens after we die. <laughs> now now I was thinking at this point in the movie, or the, the show, that the dog was going to be able to talk or something. Or somehow, like, the dog was the leader of these people. Or, like, some sort of oh. messiah who's returned to Peaceful Valley. Yeah, that's weird, because the dog's name was Landry, wasn't it? <laughs> I think so. But hey, Clint, that's just that's just Mitt Rodney. He'll he'll come at you at all corners. He'll, you don't yeah. feel safe with any. Did you of say Mitt Rodney? Mitt Mitt Rodney Sterling. God damn it! <laughs> Ooh. He's so okay, good. so they take him to the mayor's office and Dorn. Yes, <laughs> that's his name. You got it. And he looks like uh, Clint's wizard from the murder episode. Oh, that's because he is Emily. What? Did you do your homework on this? It is him. Absolutely not. Is it really the same actor? Yeah, it's the same guy. Oh, shut up. I didn't know that. I was just like, that guy looks just like the wizard. Wait, hold on. (laughs) I just realized something. No, he's not the wizard. He is. He is in a Star Trek episode, though. I looked this up. He's the old old man council dude, robot computer. Oh, the, the ethereal beans. No, he's from the episode where the two planets are fighting each other uh, with computers. Oh. Yeah. 
there's there's just been so many uh older male authority figures in star trek it's hard to keep track like there should be what like women could run a planet (laughs) well obviously not i don't think you should try to leave i think you should do what don says hold on wait 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 we talked about uh, the reason we're doing this episode is because James Doolahan is in it, and we didn't talk about him for more than three seconds. How'd you guys think he did in his performance? That's the only time we'll ever see him is when he goes around the back of the house to bring the dog back. I he, he did great. He looks exactly the same. He was very he got suspicious. The same like skeptical brows, and he says something like, "Your little girl disappeared, my dog," and he's like, "All right," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that's Scotty." Friendly chap. Uh, okay, so. They sit this guy down, this journalist, and they're like, we got to ask you a couple of questions. Wait, I just like to say, though, where he's like, oh, man, aren't you trying to bring me to a doctor? He's like, we all know that we didn't bring you here to see a doctor unless you want to see a doctor. But he's like, come on. We both know you don't need a doctor. You're fine. Walk it off. Okay. So they ask him a couple of questions. It's like the the mayor and his stooges, but they're all really nice. They're they're very polite. Um, the first question they ask is they're like, "What did you see when the dog chased the cat?" I read that like that was a first grade primer sentence. What, what did, did you? you... <laughs> they were very easy words, but I still stumbled over them. <laughs> the second question they ask is. Why did you tell the girl at the hotel that you felt like you weren't welcome in town? And then they ask him, does anyone know you're here? So they're yeah, basically- which, Like, there's nothing creepy about that question ever. Like, I, always totally fine. And pro tip, whenever anyone asks you, does anyone know you're here? You always say, yes, tons of people know I'm here. Tons, and they'll be very suspicious. Everyone, everyone yeah. knows I'm here. <laughs> I told them I was going to this exact spot. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he answers that question in the worst way. He says, no, no one knows I'm here, but I'll tell everyone when I get back. <laughs> and no like, one would miss nice. me if I disappeared. So he like doesn't answer their questions. He's like, this is you guys are so freaking weird. Why are you acting like this? Just let me leave. Sus. Um, and they tell him to come back in an hour. And so Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, they talk about his fate. Um, I also like how they they said he was he's like I'm a reporter. This is where we find out about it. And uh here's the scoop. Y'all are weirdos. <laughs> they give him a sick burn. They say a noble calling, but limited. And I was like, "Uh." And as someone who went to journalism school, then they're like, "I bet you want to write a novel, don't you?" And I was like, "Oh shit, they got you." <laughs> All journalists want to be novelists. Yeah, and like to be like a noble calling, but limited. I was like, yes, that would make any journalist just instantly like full of rage, but not able to deny it. Emily, they're coming for you. Oh, no, no the thought police. No, the journalists. <laughs> I'm sorry. I take it back. Why is it a crime to be a journalist in this dimension? <laughs> Uh, I live by a newsroom. I mean hospital. When the guy leaves the council with the mayor, they just start berating each other like, oh, we've been so complacent. We got to kill him. We're we're all acting so weird. (laughs) They basically say that. They're like, why are we why why are we screwing this up so bad? Why can't we just be cool? (laughs) And he he doesn't suspect anything. We get a hint of what's to come when they say because of our negligence, 
an innocent man will suffer. Uh, dun, dun, dun. This guy goes back to his car. He finds his dog alive. Super happy about that. But his car is wrecked. But he's also like, he's like, okay, cool. The dog's alive. And then he just like ties it up and walks away. I'm I like, know. oh, jeez, Negligent pet owner. Yeah, you're just going to leave your dog with all these with all these weirdos people that you're suspicious of yeah but that's what he gets for driving drunk the he dog driving drunk the dog no the <laughs> hold on let me push this button <laughs> hey clint think your jokes out ahead of time okay no it was uh fill up he was driving drunk everyone was drunk in the 60s push the button again Corey. yeah i'm gonna push it again <laughs> Oh, here's a fun bit. He he tries to call Albuquerque and he connects to operator and this is the phone number. Chapel 77205. It's like, I don't know what that means. Back in the day, uh, phone numbers were only like five. Yeah, no shit. I got it. But I was just like, that's quite different. Haven't you ever heard the famous radio play, Sorry, Wrong Number? Yeah, but that was written by Stephen King. It wasn't that old. That was like 1945. What? I'm pushing the button on Emily for not being very aware of her own nation's historic radio legacy. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I like it too, Emily. <laughs> oh, no. Stephen King's is sorry right number, I think. Yeah, sorry right number. Wow, what a there. twist. Okay, so he goes back. <laughs> he goes. He goes back to the mayor's office. And, so hateful, um, it's Stephen King. The mayor says, "Sorry, we've decided we can't let you." Sorry, leave. right number. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Sorry, you can't leave Peaceful Valley ever." They're very apologetic about it. Um, Philip freaks out. Obviously, he like punches someone. Very. Oh, he punches. I, doesn't he punch a bunch of people? Yeah. yeah. Just. But then the, the mayor brings out a device. Oh, he and, says. Peaceful Valley is a town full of lunatics, and you guys head the list. It's like, well, that's fair. In the middle of this brawl, the mayor takes out a device, and he transports Philip from where he's standing to a chair instantly. Yeah. He's all confused, and the mayor explains that how the device works. He's just he. It's like it takes apart your atoms and it rearranges them somewhere else. So it's it's yeah, exactly it's a pocket like a, transporter. It's a pocket transporter. Yep. Um, he calls it a simulator later on in the episode i did not care for that the mayor says that you asked too many questions and now you've stumbled on the best kept secret in america dun, dun, and he dun. takes him he takes Philip down look at my butt that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> uh no he doesn't do that he takes philip downstairs <laughs> to a basement and in the basement are a bunch of old metal filing cabinets and he begins to share all of his treasures, all of all his... the secrets of this town, right? So with this fucking jabroni, <sighs> a jabroni, like a thing that cleans ice. No, that's a zamboni. Zap yourself. Oh god! No, in this universe, uh... they're called <laughs> they're called jabronis. Jabronis. What are you saying? <laughs> Hold on, I need to turn I'm seeing my... the I'm seeing the Canadian way you say zamboni. In Canada, they call it jambronies. I don't think that's right at all. Hold on. I need to turn my office light on. He masturbating? Well, he did zap himself a lot. So anyway, I mean, no, this no, guy I'll is... No, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. Basically Kirk. 
Okay, so he takes him downstairs to a basement, and he tells... And he goes, look at all these toys I have from Star Trek. I call it my collectibles. Get it? <laughs> none of, I've opened none of them. <laughs> no, just open it! Ah! The mayor says that 104 years ago, a brilliant scientist came to town, and uh, this scientist had unlocked the, the, the method to completely manipulate energy. And after he did this, he came to the town and he gifted his knowledge to the people of Peaceful Valley, telling them that they had to be the, the wardens of this, this knowledge until humanity was ready for it. So then the mayor shows all of the different types of inventions that uh, came out of this scientist's notes. So the first one, first uh, he, he shows him the, the, the transporter thing. And then he shows him something called a time dilator. Do you guys want to explain what happens in that scene? He stabs a motherfucker. He stabs oh, yeah. his own Yeah, and then he, you use your he unstabs nouns. him. What? You use your nouns. Who stabs who? Oh, the Dorn stabs one of the Dorn henchmen, his sidekicks. And then with, with what? a knife. A no, letter. letter opener. Yeah, letter opener. Cruel weapon. Oh, a primitive okay. weapon. Anyway, and he's like, oh, I'm dying. And then he time dilates it and it and it like reverse deaths him. And he's like, look, he's fine. He's like, yep. Okay, good. Not big deal. We do this all day. We're so bored. (laughs) We haven't met anyone new in a hundred years. The next thing that he shows him is the duplicator. Clint, would you like to describe the duplicator? (laughs) Duplicator Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) They have a bunch of, of filing cabinets with like punch cards in them. And you take a punch card for a ham sandwich with mustard and cheese, and you put that in a little slot, and then you go boop boop, and you get a ham sandwich with mustard. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little punch card computer. But here's the thing: it's not just a ham sandwich, folks. It's anything that they Mm. have a punch card for. It's it's a grate for a fireplace. It's gun. You know, it's your beloved dog which died in a car accident and has seen eternity pope hat can do anything they didn't Mm -hmm. but they didn't make a new dog they just reversed time on the dog who died they have bigger ones though don't worry Corey. they have bigger ones for bigger bigger dogs no bigger uh making duplication machines to make houses and stuff yeah okay yeah 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 yeah. because the house he gets later was completely duplicated also, That's there's right. a, a lever there that turns off and on the uh, invisible shield that stopped his car. Oh, right. Yeah, I mm-hmm. forgot about that. I don't know how. Okay, so these are all like, it's cool, right? Like, we kind of picked this episode out of nowhere, and I've never seen this episode before. I guess we should have said that at the start. Have you guys seen this one before? No. No. I've, I've never seen it. But it was cool that, like, there was, like, these were all Star Trek things except for the time dilator. That doesn't really exist. But. We have a transporter. We have a replicator. Mm-hmm. Does anyone mm-hmm. have anything to add to that? It seems like a this. So I do. I would say this is like my headcanon about Star Trek, which is that Starfleet is not like this egalitarian society. Like the whole world is not like that. Starfleet is just for like the elite rich people of the future. Um, and this is like the origins of Starfleet. It's pleasant, val- peaceful valley, and they keep it a secret, and they gatekeep, and they only let some people in. 
This yeah. is this is what I believe. And the rest oh, of the I world like is this hellscape. I like that. And they they leak their information to Zephyrin Cochran. Uh huh. Or maybe Zephyrin Cochran is there. We just don't know yet. Yeah. Maybe it was Zephyrin Cochran who all along gave them, who gave them the he yeah came, the formulas and the stuff. He came mm. back in time to give it to them. See. I, we didn't say this, but uh, they also implied that the person who gave them the equations and machinery was maybe an alien. Oh, yeah. They 100%. They say, like, who knows what land or planet he came from. Yeah. Could have been an alien. He, he was definitely an alien. So an I alien. think we could 100% adopt this into the Star Trek lore. It just it fits like a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. It fits well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then there's a really cool conversation. I thought it was the best part of the episode. But there's this debate that happens because um, Philip is like, why don't you share this stuff? This is incredible. You could cure hunger. You could make houses for everybody. You could do, you could basically cure all people's problems with technology. And they're like, yeah. The mayor says, he has a good quote. He says, the history of civilization is written in blood. I wrote that down too. I was like, that is so metal and true. He's like, Loved what, it. what did you people do with E equals MC squared? I mean, so is my diary, but I don't brag about it. <laughs> Zap him. Um, I, what was that in context to, Clint? I'm going to have to kind of weigh my punishment based on what you say next. I'm saying my, my diary is written in blood. Oh, boy. How about... <laughs> What if you bad. take what if you take the piece of ham out of the ham sandwich and slap him across the face with it? No. Slap I'm him sorry. with a ham. Ham slap. You're you're going in the pokey, my boy. <laughs> no. God, are we gonna be able to post this episode? <laughs> Such a mess. Probably not, but we'll just keep If going. not, can I just get the sound bite of you going, you're going in the pokey, my boy? <laughs> I want it to be my new ringtone. Philip says that the history of civilization is is all violence because people wanted things. These machines mm-hmm. take want out of the entire equation. Mm-hmm. Right. So share Capitalism. This. Exactly. If it's you share bad. this with society, no one will have any wants at all, which is the universe that Gene Roddenberry uh, thought. Like if, if machines and technology was able to cure poverty, what would people do with their lives? They would just aspire to be the best version of themselves. So that's what Philip is arguing for here. But... The mayor says, when you had E equals MC squared gifted to you, you decided to use it as a weapon of war when it could have been used to create enough power for the entire world and, um, you know, water deserts, but it was squandered. So what makes you think that this stuff would be used correctly? I thought that was weird that he said you could have brought water to deserts with this equation. Like, I don't I don't think he's right about that, but whatever. I mean, this is the age of like, this is the atomic age. So people mm-hmm. were saying, oh, we made this horrible bomb, but what if we could make it like generate clean energy? So I kind of understand it in context. But I like, I do think that that's an interesting argument. And I almost wish they had hit it harder because like Nobel, who invented dynamite, was like, oh, we'll never use this for war. It's too terrible. And he lived to see that happen. Like, the Wright brothers had the same thing. Oh, this will like generate peace because no one will ever use it for war. They used Wait, it for war. Like I have a, everything is like that. I have a legit question. Was dynamite ever used in war? Like you take like an old miner's bundle of dynamite and throw it yeah. into some troops? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was oh, put wow. in bombs. I mean, I, it's probably still used in bombs. 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But did they ever light like a red stick and throw it at the enemy? I mean, they put like it in bombs and cannons, but them? yeah, I'm sure they did. Let's just take that all out. That was a that was a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> Today on Corey learns about dynamite. <laughs> Okay, so the the mayor says that we're probably going to have to kill you now. And then Philip responds, well, then you're doing, because they have to keep this thing a secret, and Philip's going to spill the beans. And then Philip responds, well, you're going to do something evil to do a good thing? Like, that doesn't really make any sense. That's what Hitler did. Wait. We do it out <laughs> of necessity, not choice. Thank you, Adolf I'm Hitler. Saying, I'm not saying what Hitler's doing was a good thing. I, uh, yeah okay interesting i just want to say this is the first documented case of someone pulling out hitler to like make a point <laughs> i'm sorry this is the first yes it's the first documented case of someone being like well hitler to to make a point calling someone hitler yeah 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 okay philip has two choices he can join or he can die oh i forgot to mention they also have a little they have the scientist book that he left the, t- the town that, that'll it's, come up later. Yeah. Oh, it's the book a, of all the mysteries. It's in a very poorly guarded, just safe. Once really. again, just, just like the enterprise, no locks. Yeah. Okay. Right, so Philip says, okay, fine. I'll be assimilated because I don't want to die. He gets a nice house printed for him. The lady from the hotel comes by and chats with them. You can Starts hitting on him. Yeah. She's, she's like, Hey buddy, I brought you some, cartridges for your typewriter philip do you want says, a sandwich <laughs> how about a ham sandwich that's what philip, she says philip says that he uh still wants to escape and she's like yeah you probably shouldn't talk like that because you, you've got their trust now and the alternative is basically death he walks outside of his house after she leaves and he realizes that there's a force field right outside of his house and he gets super upset and he um I thought it was a really cool effect. He takes out a cigarette and he throws it at the force field and it bounces off of it. Oh, I like when he takes the shovel uh... and he hits it and then like the shovel just like shatters into like dust. It was cool. I liked it. Uh, She comes back later. That effect you liked. Ugh, Clint. (laughs) She comes back later and they they just, you get the sense that he's like not really grooming, but he's, he's trying to work her over. Um, saying things like, I'm in a prison, so are you. People are suffering outside, you know, in the real world, and you guys are here just greedily guarding all this technology. They have a really emotional conversation. She tells him that she's in love with him. She's the one grooming him. Yeah, they're kind of grooming each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like monkeys or cats. <laughs> Bonded cats. And before the before they kiss, there's a line that's roughly like, you have a machine for everything except for falling in love. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then he says, "I'm a machine for falling in love." Beep beep boop boop, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like the line though. He's like, "You didn't uh, want anything that you couldn't conjure in three seconds." I thought that was a cool line. Yeah, this was chock full of them. It's a very well written episode. Mm-hmm. All right, we are in the last scene here. So uh, the next day. He sees that his force field has dropped, so he runs outside of his house. She's sitting in his car. Um, She's like, let's hit the road, toots. Let's get out of here, baby. I don't care who you kill or what you steal. I'm in love with you. He Look says, at my big, big pretty eyes. Um, and her freckles. She has lots of freckles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, okay, I'll be right back. He runs into the mayor's house, goes into the basement, 
and he replicates or 3d prints himself a gun a gun yeah he's got mm-hmm. a pistol now and then he turns off the force field leaving town and the last thing he does is he grabs the scientist's dusty tome with all of its equations in it ring 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 ring, ring. alarm alarm Someone stealing the sacred papers is what Which they call it. Which we didn't bother to put a lock on. <laughs> well, it's for a reason. All right, he he runs upstairs with his gun and the and his journal, and who does he run into? The mayor, Dorn, Dorn. the wizard, and his and his stooges. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? And blam, blam, blam! Shoots him murder. Dead. It's Kirk again. It's a super Kirk move. He jumps into his car. He gets out of town and then right when he he sees that the force field is down he pulls off to the side of the road and he's like baby i gotta tell you what i did in there it wasn't good and she's like i don't want to know what you did and he's like oh baby i gotta tell you and then she says did you look in the journal and he says the journal and he flips it open and he looks inside <gasps> dun 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 it's a picture of a butt it's all butts. It's all cat butts. And then he turns into a cat instantly, and then he jumps on her lap, and she's like, one more to my collection. And then the dog comes and chases him away, and she's like, get him, Billy. I thought it was a stupid ending, because they didn't really like like resolve anything. <laughs> yep. Okay, no, he, he flips through the journal, the, the scientist's journal, and what does he see? It's blank. Blank all pages. The, all the it's pages blank, blank, sir. And she looks at him and she she makes him disappear. And before and he, that, she's like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. That is exactly what she says. And he wakes up. He reappears in the mayor's house. He's surrounded by the mayor and his goons and his lady. It was all a trick. It was a honey trap. She was working for them all along. But it wasn't all a lie. The mayor not says all of it. The mayor says, you see why we couldn't let you leave. The first thing you did was you made a gun and you tried to get out of here. So we obviously can't let this technology go anywhere. And if this is how you're going to behave, we have no no choice but to execute you. Or execute him in a way because Dorn's been thinking about this. All right, take it. And then he turns him into a cat and says, now (laughs) you're going to be changed by dogs. This is what you get. You came here and harassed our town's cats and think you can get away with it? That's not how we play in Peaceful Valley. No siree, Bob. Corey, button her. Button? I put a button on her that says world's best podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) No! Okay, yeah, they they wipe his memory, and the next scene is him sitting in his car as the gas station attendant is counting out his change. He like, competently gives him change. That was the whole problem, is that he was so bad at giving change. It made the whole thing unravel. Oh, yeah, that's a nice touch. He just hadn't done it for so long. Like, yeah, I forgot so my now digits. he practiced and was able to give change. <laughs> that's in what the, he's been doing this whole time. In the yeah. background, he's just been learning how to count change properly. The girl's cat is well behaved. Everything's fine. They got a second take on all this, and Philip pulls out of town and he leaves, and he doesn't know anything ever happened. And then he sees the woman, and he's like, "Oh, I thought I know her." He's like, "I know what I'd rather pull out of instead of this town." Oh, gross! And then Rod Sterling, Ster- <laughs> you're getting three right now, you, you dink. <laughs> Oh, I think I think he's starting uh, to like it too. <laughs> hey guys, I think we all like it. I'm just gonna press it all together. 
Ready? And that's how it ends. Yep. All right. Now, Ion Storm. Hey, wow, we're back. Wow, wow, we wow, button. Sorry, I <laughs> thought you were button, Nina. <laughs> Wait, Corey, do you need to get back to your own uh, universe here? Yeah. Oh, hey, look, there's a there's a portal right here that'll do that. Wow. Well, hey, guys, it was great meeting the two of you. Felt like this was a totally disjointed conversation we Wait, had. Wait, am so. I in charge of Clint now? Yeah, you know what? Here you go. I'm just going to hand you the the button, and here's the rake, and here's the cat collar, and here I go. What? We forgot one other thing. I swear this town looks like the exact same set as the festival episode. I don't think mm. so. I think that, no. It doesn't look at all like it. I think it looks a lot like it. Uh, no, I'm going to start my review with uh, this quote, which is from this Twilight Zone episode, but very well could have been from a Star Trek one, where they said, you have just lost paradise and you don't even know why. I loved it. I thought it was super fun. So well written. Oh, my God. So much more like put together plot wise than Star Trek. It was just a sheer delight. Um, it was a little cheesy and melodramatic, but that was fun. There was murder, there was mystery, and the murder obviously, was reversed. yeah, they put their thing down, flip it, and reverse it. Flip me up and if and if yep and yop, and uh, yeah, it was great. I thought it was really good too. I enjoyed it. You thought it would be boring because it's fifty minutes long, but it was really good. And I like the questions it raised. They were really asking some interesting questions about. Can men handle this technology and they can't? And I know it was just fun. Kind of kept me guessing for, for a good long time. Yeah, um, I enjoyed how much of the drama and like the tension was just between these two people. And you can see the merit in both sides. Like this is the argument we've been having of like the antagonist in Star Trek is so like cardboard evil. But mm-hmm. in this, neither of them are. Like both sides are making good points, even if we're not. My only complaint is I think um, Philip should have really shaken that girl some more. That would have really... <laughs> the little girl, where's my dog? Where's my dog? You made her disappear. Actually, the other thing that I liked about that intro is they like, after the dog disappears, they go to like a commercial break and then they come back where Philip and Scotty are just talking and the cat is just like hanging out in the planter behind like the cat is still just in the scene this live cat for no reason it's really funny um yeah i thought it was really good and i haven't seen a twilight zone episode since the last time we watched one and when it started with like they where they brought out that device and made the dog disappear i was like okay this is like a society where people are like aliens and they don't like outsiders because honestly i'm so used to watching star trek where those Mm -hmm. plots are pretty freaking two-dimensional where it's not complex these people don't like people with red blood you know but like i i just didn't trust i didn't trust rodney enough where this was going to turn into a really really cool twist and just a really cool insight on humanity so i i thought it was i thought it was all fantastic it was really good i really like the show i should watch it more 10 out of 10 phasers Thanks, everyone, for listening to this you. episode of Spare the Rod, Serling the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just stop it right there. Hit the button. Hit the button. Uh, Ooh. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Awooga. <laughs> <laughs>